Being a pastor, I have the opportunity to uh, perform a lot of weddings. And uh, several years ago, uh, I was in a different city far away from here. And uh, my wife and I were there and I was performing the wedding. And many times at the wedding, I get to meet all kind of brand new people, groomsmen, bridesmaids, uh, the, the parents of the bride and groom. And uh, this time, the, the, uh, the mother of the groom that I met at this particular wedding, she was a, a pill, okay? Now, usually it's the mother of the bride, but this is the mother of the groom. She, she was a pill. She was, uh, as the kids say, extra, okay? <laughs> so got through the first part, got through the wedding, was at the reception, and my wife and I were talking to the father of the groom, Bill. We'll just call him Bill. It's not his name, okay? And we said, Bill, how long have you and Barbara been married? And he said, we've been married for 35 years. And we said, oh, that's, that's fantastic. Congratulations. And Bill said, it feels like 10 minutes. And we go, almost, you know, oh, that's, that is so sweet. That is so kind. And then he said, underwater. Can't make it up. Now, I could spend an entire message trying to interpret what Bill meant. I'm not going to do that. But I will simply say and speak for him what he was trying to communicate through that joke, I hope. But there's always truth and humor. That's why it stings. That's why it's funny. He was saying basically what? Man, hey. The struggle is real, right? The struggle's real. The struggle's real. We all, we all have struggles, right? We, some of us are in a struggle right now. Maybe you say, man, I'm, I'm struggling in my marriage or I'm struggling in my family. I'm struggling in school. I'm struggling with my boss. I'm struggling trying to manage my company. I'm struggling with trying to raise my child or help raise my grandchild. I'm struggling with trying to overcome this habit, this addiction. I'm, I'm struggling with an illness and trying to fight my way through and figure it out. I'm struggling with loss. And we're all struggling on some level in our life. And during our life, we, lifetimes, we go through different seasons of struggling. But the struggle is real. Let's say that together. The struggle is real. I don't think you're struggling. Let's try it again. The struggle is real. The struggle's real. It is. It's real. And here's what I've discovered. Contra to what the TV evangelist is going to tell you tonight at 10 p.m. Most of the time, God does not remove the struggle or struggles from our life. I'm not saying God is the author of all the problems and struggles in our life. 
I'm not saying that God does not sometimes intervene in our life to do that, but most of the time, God does not swoop in and just take away all the various challenges and struggles in our life. However, as a lot of us have experienced, as God's word tells us, many times God meets us in the midst of our struggle. Struggle's real and God meets us in the midst of our struggle. Now, for the past several weeks, months, we have been doing a deep dive, a line by line, word by word study of the greatest chapter in the Bible, arguably, the GOAT, Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight is great. If I had to summarize Romans eight, which is really difficult to do, I would say the first half of Romans eight is about the power of the spirit. And the second half of Romans eight is about the power of God's love. But who wrote Romans eight? What's their experience? I ask that when I read a book, I read an article, I'm listening to someone, I wanna know what is their experience? In this, in this context, what has been their struggle? What gives them the authority to write about or to speak about what they're speaking about or what they're trying to sell you? What's their credibility? What's their struggles? Now, one of the things I love about the New Testament and one of the things I love about Paul is that Paul had been through some massive, major league, real deal struggles in his life. He has several lists, if you would, of those struggles in the book of 2 Corinthians. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. If not, look above on the big screen and you'll see the passage. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am much more. I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. That's 39. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once pelted with stones. Three times shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night in open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, endangered from bandits, endangered from my fellow Jews, endangered from the Gentiles, endangered from false believers, endangered in the city, endangered in the country, endangered at sea. Look at verse 27. I've labored and toiled. I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger, thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides all these things, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. In Alcoholics Anonymous, they have a slogan that says, only a drunk can help another drunk. Only someone who has struggled deeply and profoundly can help someone who is struggling. Paul is that guy. Paul had scars on his soul and scars on his body that proves to us that he has been there, done that. The persecution, the pain, the betrayal, the false lies and rumors that were spread about him constantly. He's always on the move, always on the go. 
experiencing massive struggle in his life. Paul, probably a, a short little stocky guy built like a fire hydrant. Doesn't look like much, but the guy is a true spiritual cage fighter. He is a warrior. He is a true beast. And he's someone who knows what it's like to struggle on the edge of the rugged realities of life. And someone who knows firsthand the power of God, but also many times when God allowed him to remain in the struggle. Many times God allows us to remain in the struggle. Many times God allows these struggles to stay in our life, just like he did Paul. Why is that? Well, some of you, a lot of you have heard the story about the young boy who was playing in his backyard and he looks around the grass and he sees a, a butterfly cocoon and he takes that cocoon and brings it into his room and puts it on his little desk there. And he's watching this cocoon and he's watching it kind of shake back and forth and pretty, while, pretty soon a, you know, a little bitty hole appears in the cocoon and you can see the, the butterfly, the little insect trying to get out. And then it moves around some more of the cocoon, then it stops. And the young boy has a great idea. He goes, hey, I'm gonna go get some scissors in the kitchen and I'm gonna make the hole a little bigger so this butterfly can get out and fly, right? I wanna see that. So he goes to the kitchen door, gets the scissors, makes the hole bigger. Butterfly is able to get out of the hole, but it just kind of crawls around on, its, on the desk because the wings have not been developed strong enough to allow this butterfly to fly. Why? Because a cocoon is made in such a way that when the, you know, the caterpillar, right, that is struggling and trying to become a butterfly as it's pushing back against the shell and the casing, that's causing blood to flow into its wings, that once it gets out, it's able to fly. So this little boy, though he had good and sweet motives, actually prevented this butterflying from flight because it took away the struggle. It took away the struggle. So the moral of the story is pretty simple, right? It's through the struggle that we grow stronger. It's through wrestling and pushing back and praying and talking to God and asking for his power and one step forward, two step backwards, crawling, running, walking. It's the struggle of life that God uses to pour out his strength in us and to build strength in us. It's through the struggle that we grow, we learn, and we create. Through the struggle, we become stronger. And we have to 
resist the temptation, especially as parents, where we want to, you know, play God, you know, and just swoop in and remove all the struggles from our kid's life. And we have to have the wisdom as to know when to allow them to struggle so they can learn to grow so one day they too can fly. We need to embrace the struggle instead of trying to erase the struggle. Abolitionist Frederick Douglass said, if there is no struggle, there is no progress. Robert Tu said this, he said, the struggle you're in today is developing the strength you need for tomorrow. Don't give up. Embrace the struggle. Ask God for his strength and to make you stronger in the struggle. It's the same thing with working out. I, you know, I, I, after the service, I usually shake hands at one of the doors. We have about 3,400 exits right here in this worship center. So if you don't see me, that's why. But I notice when I'm, when I'm shaking hands that some of you gentlemen here like to work out. There's some people in here that are pretty jacked. How do they get that? Sitting on the couch, watching ESPN and sports yelling shows. Why do they yell in those sports shows? Yeah, I want to tell you about the, I don't, anyway. Eating Cheetos, no. They're in the gym, they're working out. They're suffering, they're struggling with weights that breaks them down, breaks down their muscles and they grow. Life's the same way. The struggle's real. But so many times it's only through the struggle that we can grow stronger. Paul said that. Paul lived it out in his own life. All the stuff he went through. Remember he had that thorn in the flesh you couldn't get rid of? That struggle. God, please remove it. Lord, please, God, remove it. God said, no, no, no. But God said, Paul, I will give you the grace, I will give you the strength to endure it. So Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 12, when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am struggling, then I can lean and experience the power of God in my life. Talking about Paul, y'all, the guy knows what it's like. In the struggle of life. And in that struggle, as we're growing, as we're seeking to make it through, as we're seeking to receive strength from God in the process, God wants us to learn this one eternal truth. He, he wants this one truth to be super glued to our souls, okay? And we find this one truth, where else? In the last two verses of the goat, Romans 8, 38 and 39, Paul writes this, I am convinced, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us 
from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears of today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing, nothing and all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. What's the one eternal truth that we need to glue, super glue to our soul and minds is this, is that in the struggle, we discover the tenacious love of God. Many times we think, because I'm struggling, because I'm suffering, because life is not working out the way I planned, therefore God doesn't love me. Paul says the opposite. Paul says nothing, I'm convinced that nothing, no thing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And here's the guy that was in and out of prison. Here's the guy that was physically beaten. Here's the guy that was whipped. Here's the guy that was betrayed. Here's the guy that was shipwrecked. Here's the guy who went hungry. Here's the guy who couldn't get sleep at night. But he said, all of this, none of that separates me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not even death itself can separate me from God's tenacious love in Christ. That's the one eternal truth that we have to superglue, if you would. If you can go back and remember superglue, superglue that by his spirit to our soul and minds. And he is hammering that home as he concludes the goat, the greatest of all time. Nothing, nothing can separate us. No matter what life brings, no matter what pain, no matter what agony, no matter what pushback, no matter what struggle, the struggle is gonna make me stronger. And in the midst of the struggle, God still loves me. I still know the power of God's tenacious love for me in Christ. We must be convinced and convicted and confident that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ. I'm not there yet. I'm not there. I, I could not, in honesty, write Romans 8, 38 through 39 and say, I am convinced. About, I mean, I don't know what percentage I am if you're into science and percentages and stuff like that, but I was just thinking before the service that, you know, it's about the, 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 remember the lady that wanted healing and all these people were crowding in on Jesus and she just thought to herself, if I can just touch his him, right? I don't have to talk to him. He doesn't have to say be healed or whatever. I just need to touch the hem of his garment and I will be healed. And she did that and was healed. Jesus goes, who touched me? And the disciples are like, are you kidding me? This is a mob mosh situation here, Lord. 
There have been hundreds of people that are touching you. No, someone touched me. So I just want to be able to touch the hem of his garment just to know a little bit of God's tenacious love for me. God's tenacious love and power that's going to help get me through a conflict, get me through a time of struggle. And that's what he promises to us in his word in this phenomenal chapter in Romans chapter eight. And it's God's spirit that actualizes Christ's love in our life. So Christ came, died, rose again in history as we looked at a few weeks ago, 2000 years ago, but because he's alive, because God's spirit is real, he can come into our life today and he can continue to actualize, to activate, if you would, to empower us by His Spirit and by His love, moment by moment, day by day. God's love is inexhaustible, right? God's power is limitless. Yet we have to come to Him, right, in, in dependence upon Him, asking Him, dear God, help me through this. Dear God, empower me through this. God, help me in this struggle to grow. Help me in this struggle to have confidence and to be convicted of nothing. That nothing can separate me from your tenacious love in Christ. And we learn that. And we keep learning that. And we keep going back to that again and again. And again, and God's already there. He's, he's already there. I, I love this prayer by um, Soren Kierkegaard. He's my favorite philosopher. I never quote him, but here we go. He said, some of you haven't been to church a while, but anyway, he said, you have loved us first, oh God, we speak of it in terms of history as if you loved us first, but only a single time. Rather than without ceasing, you have loved us first many times and every day and throughout our whole life. When we wake up in the morning and turn our soul towards you, you are there first. You have loved us first. If I rise at dawn and at the same second, Turn my soul towards you in prayer. You are there ahead of me. You have loved me first. When I withdraw from the distractions of the day and turn my soul towards you, you are there first and thus forever. And we speak as if you have loved us first only once. Every time we turn to God in the midst of a crisis, Every time we turn to God in the midst of a struggle, he's there first. He goes ahead of us. He's there first. He loves us first again. And we have to respond to his love. It's God's tenacious love that allows us to get back up when we've been knocked down. It's God's tenacious love that gets us out of the ditch and gets us back on the road where God wants us to go. It's God's convicting love that makes us realize, what in the world am I doing? Why am I doing this? God, help me to start doing what you want me to do. 
It's God's tender love that comforts us and strengthens us as we're dealing with loss and grief. It's the tenacious, tough, tender, agape love of God in Christ. We've got to be convinced again and again and again, learn again and again and again to turn to his love, to respond to his love as followers of him. Struggle. Struggle's real. Struggle's real. We grow stronger in the struggle and we discover God's tenacious love for us in the struggle. That's good news. That's really good news. I remember when my oldest daughter um, was like eight months old, just eight months. 1.30 in the morning, crying. I go in there, take her out of the crib and hold her in my arms. Moonlight's kind of coming through the windows a little bit. I'm just holding there trying to, trying to get her to stop crying, right? But I remember that night in particular and holding her and looking down at her and just, just thinking, you know, just thinking about, you know, I just, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what she's going to go through in her life. I don't know the challenges she'll face. I don't know, uh, you know, the struggles that she'll have to, I have no idea. But I just wanted her to know, no matter what happened, even as an infant that doesn't understand very much, that her father loved her. And then more importantly, her heavenly father loved her even more. And it's not what God's trying to say to us in this magnum opus chapter of Paul, Romans 8. Yeah, that, that regardless of, of who you are and what you've done and what you're going through, you can know, you can know and rest in God the Father's tenacious love for you. 